He's a great, great God. And while you're standing, one verse of Scripture, Job 23 and 14. Job 23 and 14. Job was speaking about the Lord. He said, For he performeth the thing that is appointed for me, and many such things are with him. Tonight, I just want to preach a little while on this thought. Even when you can't see it, he's working. Praise the Lord. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise for his word tonight. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You can be seated tonight. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord. And uh, they're going to, this praise team will, they'll help us in our altar call tonight. And, um, but this, I, I love, this is one of my favorite scriptures out of Job. Just the Bible, but but it, reading this story, um, you know, if you you breeze over scriptures, sometimes you just don't catch the meaning. You don't catch the gravity of what is being said to you right there at that place. And and these things that apply to Job here apply to us as well. For God performs the thing that is appointed for me. You need to remember something tonight that God's got a plan for you. If there's a lesson I can learn from the word of God right here when Job said this, and, and here's the thing about Job making this statement. Job is in the middle uh, of the worst period of his life. He knows that uh, the Lord, he loves the Lord, he fears the Lord, he uh, serves the Lord, but he said, the Lord is performing the thing that is appointed for me. God has something specific in mind for you and I uh, in this walk and in this life. And to think that God doesn't listen or God doesn't care or God has no influence in your life is completely wrong because God has things along the way that are appointed for you. And guess what? Sometimes... You see, we think, well, oh, I don't want all that kind of hard stuff. I don't want that kind of appointment. But see, we only see the now. But what is appointed is going to bring a result in the future. And God knew what he could bring Job to. And so while you get tied up and I get tied up about what's happening now in the appointment, you see, we get worried about what's going on in the appointment right now. But God sees the result of the appointment. It's just like... Nobody likes their doctor appointment. Nobody wants to go in and sit on that table. Nobody wants the doctor poking and prodding and doing all those things or telling you we got to do this or cut this or whatever. You don't like that appointment, but you will like the fact that you'll feel better when that appointment's done. And so, uh, you know, we don't like dentist appointments. <laughs> it's like nobody just says, oh, I can't wait. Well, there might be some crazy people out there that... They, they get into that. There's some kind of there's some freaks in this world that think, yeah, just here, grind my teeth. That's just all I all I have to hear is, Yee! and I'm like, whoo! I don't want none of that. It hurts, makes my whole body hurt. But you know, but if you've got a toothache, that appointment's going to end up making you feel better. And sometimes there are things that we go through in this life. There are appointments that God has for us that we 
are not particularly happy about at the moment, but we will find ourselves rejoicing down the road because God knows what he's got planned for us. He knows what he wants to do. And Job said, there are many such things with him. This is not going to be a one-time occurrence, but God is going to be involved in your life all the way down the road because our steps are ordered by the Lord. God orders our steps. God designs the direction that he wants us to walk. God uh, begins a good work in us, and if he begins it, then he will perform it. But he's going to do it the way he wants to do it because he always knows what's best for you and I. We would like to think that, uh, hey, God, I, you know, I know my life. I think I could probably give you a little hint here. I could probably give you a little help with this situation. I, I could really tell you how to better fix me now. And the Lord would just say, I created you. I knew you before you were formed in the womb. I've already seen what you'll do tomorrow. I already know what you did years ago. I know everything there is about you, even the very number of hairs upon your head. So I think God wins that argument every time. Uh, we will, we're never better in control of our lives than God is. I always uh, get, uh, you know, seeing those, uh, you don't see them very much anymore. I think somebody finally caught on to it and said, this is a pretty stupid saying. But do you see all these people, they would put it on their cars, little bumper stickers, tag, God is my co-pilot. No, sir. No, sir. God, you fly this thing. I'm going to sit in first class. You fly. You know, I, I, he's not my co-pilot. I, I got the way if I need you. So that's what the pilot does. He's like, I got this plane. If I need you, I'll let you know. And that's the way a lot of people used to, to treat their walk with God. I got this, Lord, and if I need you, I'll let you know. I need him every day because he's performing the thing that is appointed for me. And even when I can't see what he's doing, God's working. Even when I don't understand uh, what he's doing, he's working it, it, because God never takes a day off. He's, all, he's working on my bad day. He's working on my good day. He's working on my slack day. God's always working. He's always faithful. He never uh, bails out on us. But Job, uh, as we go back to this chapter in Job chapter 23, uh, he has started chapter 23 uh, talking about his situation. And I didn't give you these scriptures. I'm just going to read this and then I'll jump to, to where I gave you. But Job says, even today is my complaint bitter. My stroke is heavier than my groaning. And oh, that I knew where I might find God, that I might even come to his seat. He said, man, it is worse today than it has ever been. But I'm not running away I'm not looking for another avenue. I'm not trying to find another God. He said, when I am going through all the things I'm going through, I want to know where I can find him. Because if I can just talk to God, if I can just begin to reason with him, and, and it says he would give me uh, words, uh, and I would understand what he's saying to me. And that's what we want. God, I just want to understand what's going on, but sometimes we're not going to understand until it's over. 
old song said we'll understand it better by and by. It's, it's coming a day where all the questions will be answered. There will be no more wondering and scratching our head and saying when's God going to come through. That'll be over with. We'll understand it. But Job said in verse 8, and this is the familiar part of this passage, Behold, I go forward. He's not there. I'm not running into him. I'm going forward. I'm walking straight in. You know, I'm supposed to be following him, and I'm still moving forward, but I just, uh, he's not there. Well, I, so I, I back up. Did I miss him? No. I can't perceive him. I, 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 if you can't perceive something, you can't see it, hear it, feel it. There's nothing there. There's none of your senses are working here. It's, nothing is there. So on the left hand where he works, but I can't behold him, he hides himself on the right hand that I cannot see him. But he knows the way that I take. And when he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. And then, you know, this is so, here's Job making this statement of purpose with the reality of the loss of all his possessions and his children still fresh in his mind. The pain of that loss is so real to him right there. He's sitting in ashes. His body is betraying him. His wife has told him to curse God and die. His friends are offering no comfort. And there he sits and he makes this statement. He's like basically saying, I have no idea what God is doing. I don't know what his method is. I simply know that he knows me and it's going to work out for my good. Even when you and I can't see it, God is working. God is faithful to his people. God is faithful to his children. And if we're going to make it someday, if we're going to make it all the way and hear him say, well done, it's not just going to be because of the good deeds that I did but I trusted God along the way. What's going to get me across the finish line? It won't be my own steam. It won't be my own knowledge, but it will be my faith and trust in the Savior. The Bible says we create, or that we commit the keeping of our souls unto him as unto a faithful creator. You and I have got to believe that God's got this. And in verse 11 and 12 we see Job's attitude toward his life with God. In verse 11, he says, My foot has held his steps. His way have I kept and not declined. Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Friend, let me tell you, commitment will Keep you. I've said this so many times. I've preached that so many times. But commitment will keep you. When you say, oh God, my heart is fixed. My heart is fixed. When you say, I have made up my mind and I'm not turning around. My foot's on the rock and my mind's made up, we used to sing. And friend, when you'll get that kind of uh, steadfastness in your spirit and your attitude towards serving God is like, listen, I have held his steps. I've lost this. Listen, Job, you just start looking at it through the lens of what Job just went through. I've lost everything that I worked for, but I'm still walking in his path. I've lost my children that I love dearly. He would sacrifice for his children in case they had sinned against God. He said, I've, I've put myself out there for my kids, but now they're gone. I've lost all of this. 
but I have still held his steps. My wife wants me to curse my God and die, but I have held his steps. I have not declined or gone back from the commandment of his lips. His word to me is more better than the food I have to have to live in this life. So I'm going to stick with God because that's what's going to get me through. Because he's already told us when he's tried me, I shall be gold. I can't understand what he's doing right now, but he's trying to make me more valuable than I was before this started. He's trying to get the good out of me. He's trying to get the impurities out of me so I can be like fine gold. I promise you today that whatever God is doing, it is for your good. It is for my good. It is what he wants us to see happen. But we have got to believe and understand that even when we can't see it, I know we sing it, it's a great song, but it's a great message because it's scripture. Even when I can't see what God is doing, I can still trust that he is working because he is in, he said in verse 13, he is in one mind and who can turn him. And what his soul desires, even that he does. Well, do you ever think that God desires for you to lose out? Do you ever think that God desires you to be the most miserable person on the planet? Do you think that God desires for you to just stay broken and busted and heartbroken and just destitute all the time? It's whatever God desires, that's what he's going to do. And his desire is to see us make heaven our home one day. Because he said it, I'm going away to prepare a place that where I am, you can be also. God wants us to be where he's at. But he knows we're going to walk a tough path sometimes in this life. But that's why he let us know, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. Come on, somebody. God's with us and God's for us. And you may not understand what God's doing. You go, oh, my life's all tore up right now. That's all right. God knows what he's doing. Sometimes to build it back better, you got to tear it down to the bones. Sometimes to get it back new, you just got to get rid of everything. And God said, I make all things new. So I need to learn in the church, the saints of God, Especially we need to learn that just because we have been born again, just because we've been washed in the blood and filled with the Spirit does not mean that we won't sit in ashes someday crying out to God, what's going on? He never said that we wouldn't have any problems. He just said, I'll be there with you. He never said we wouldn't be attacked. He just said we were more than conquerors. God is for us. And if God be for us, who can be against us? One writer said in the Psalms, he said, I will not be afraid of 10,000s of people, though they set themselves round about me. Don't ever be afraid of the odds. You've got God on your side. Don't ever look around and think, whoa, this is overwhelming. This is more than I can take. It might be more than you can take, but it ain't more than what you and God can take. God will get you through it every time. One man said, by my Lord, I have run through a troop. A troop. I didn't just run past one. I didn't run past two. I ran through a whole troop. I was able to go through the midst of the army. Those people that wanted to destroy me, I just ran right through them like it was nothing because God was on my side. Even when I can't see it, God's working. God's doing something. In 1 Corinthians 2 and 9, listen, this is I'll help you with it. But as it is written, I has not seen Ear has it heard, and neither, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. 
what his soul desires, even that he does. But I can't see it. That's all right. Because eye has not seen, and ear hasn't heard, and it hasn't even entered into your heart what God's trying to do for you. Because he does exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. His ways are higher than our ways. Friend, we've got to remember that, that we think God's bringing me here, and all of a sudden we, we're way down the road. How did I get here? Because that's where God wanted you to be in the first place. If it was up to us, we would stop down here. But God's saying, I'm trying to bring you up higher. I'm trying to take you farther. I'm trying to take you deeper. I want you to have everything that I've got for you. And so you haven't seen it yet. And so don't think what you're looking at right now is all that you're going to have because your eyes have not seen what God's got prepared for you. You're, you hadn't even heard uh, something that could make you imagine what God has got for you. It has not entered into your heart the things that God has for you. Uh, oh, you, you, we, we think, well, God, we say God's good, and that's about as, as much as we can do because we don't know what he's going to do. I just know that God is for us and that God will bless us. And even if I can't see it or I can't hear it or I can't think it, God still has something prepared for me because I love him. Do you love the Lord? If you can answer that with a yes, then you need to know tonight you're in a good spot no matter, no matter what's going on in your life. Sometimes we think, man, the storm is going to take me out. But the Bible says that God has his way. God has his way in the whirlwind and in the storm. The storm don't get to decide for you. The whirlwind don't get to decide your fate. God has his way in the whirlwind and the storm. And when your world is getting thrown around, when you feel like Dorothy in the Wizard of Oz, friend, let me tell you, don't worry about the wicked witch. God's going to take care of you. Ain't got to worry about no flying monkeys messing with your life. God's going to take care of you. Praise God. Even the flying monkeys scared me to death when I was little. Hated them things. But let me tell you something. The God we serve, he's got us. And, and I need to learn, but you know, we say we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. It doesn't mean you're blind. People say, well, faith is blind. I don't believe that. I think we just walk by faith, not by sight, because it's our faith that causes us to see so much that God does. So it's just like Peter walking on water. When he stepped out on the water, he was walking in faith. But it says when he saw the wind and the wave, he let what he saw, his sight, begin to make the decisions for him. And that caused him to begin to sink. But he did cry. And guess what? When he started sinking, the Lord didn't say, well, too bad, buddy. You let go of your faith, so you just drowned. But when he cried out for the Lord to save him, he reached down and grabbed him by the hand and, and they both went back to the boat. He got him in there. Uh, and so don't ever think that God's just going to stand there and, and watch you drown in your situation and not do nothing about it. But don't you clamp your lips together and, and get quiet on God. You feel yourself going through something, cry out to him. Job ain't being quiet. Job's talking. 
And he said, if I could find him, I'd go to him and I'd have a, uh, I, I would present my argument before him and I would listen to what he said and then I could understand why this is going on. But God's not going to always sit down with you and I and tell us this is why you're going through it. Just remember this. Tribulation works patience and patience experience and experience hope and hope maketh not ashamed. So God has given me a path to walk. If I'm in the middle of tribulation, I'm headed toward patience. And if I can just endure for a while, I'll get some experience. And then the next time it comes around, I have hope. And I don't have to ever drop my head and say, well, God didn't come through or I didn't make it because this experience will get me through. I'll make it another day. It's going to happen. Job knew what God could do. And Job knew what God would do. He said, I, I believe that God will try me and make me gold. That's why you read that it said that Job never sinned with his mouth. He never charged God foolishly or sinned with his lips. He, he didn't act like God was doing him wrong. Listen, sometimes with every possible sense we have, we can't understand or perceive what God is doing. When Job said, I can't perceive it, I got no direction. I got no feeling. I don't, well, that's when you stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. When, when you can't pick this thing up with your senses, when there is no word from the Lord, you just stand still and see the salvation of God. The thing we can trust is knowing this, God does love me. And so if he loves me, then he's got things prepared for me. The things that God has prepared for them that love him. Paul wrote, he said, we know, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and are the called according to his purpose. We know that God's going to do that for us. We know that God's going to take care of us. God will get us through. In Jeremiah 29 and 11, uh, you can read it in your Bible or maybe one of your hand towels. It seems like this is stitched everywhere. <laughs> this thing, this, this. Scripture got real big a few years ago, man, and it was on that and the prayer of Jabez. You, could, you couldn't go in Hobby Lobby. Every, every picture frame and every pillow had the prayer of Jabez and Jeremiah 29, 11. It was on there. But better than decoration, it's truth. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. Honey, come on. <laughs> That's the Lord talking to his people and he said I know what I think about you I know what I think and it's evident by the price he paid you know, without even going any farther into this scripture I can just hang out right here I, God has done enough for me that I know what he thinks about me he has wiped my tears he has comforted me he has washed me in his blood he has filled me with the Holy Ghost he has answered prayer after prayer after prayer. He has given me joy unspeakable and full of glory. I ain't got no question about how God feels about me. It don't matter. Even if I mess up, I still don't wonder what God thinks about me because you can't make God not love you. God might not be pleased with your choice, but he'll still love you. He might not like what you're caught up in, but he still loves you. You can't make God not love you. That's a fact. He loves us. We break his heart. He still loves us. And so I know what God thinks. So 
the Lord said, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil. Now, he never said evil wouldn't come. He said, but that's not my desire for you, but peace. And sometimes you, not only, you don't even know how to recognize peace till you've been through something bad. You've had a little turmoil. You've had a little storm. A person's never been in a storm. They don't, all they know is peace. So they don't understand that, uh, the difference. But find somebody that's been through the storm, somebody that's been through the fire, and they know what it's like to be on the other side. We were watching an episode of The Chosen today, and uh, I, I like that show. But anyway, uh, it was the scene. They were all in the boat in the storm. It was rocking and water was flying. And all of a sudden, Jesus just cried out, peace, be still. And, uh, and you know, it's good to just have a visual of that. Whether that was, you know, I, I doubt that was exactly how it happened. But what happened is what happened. Jesus said, peace, be still. And the winds and the waves stopped. But all them men that were soaking wet and shivering and cold and worried about sinking, all of a sudden, were just floating on glass. I mean, it was just as calm and smooth, and the sky was, was clearing up. And I thought, man, ain't nothing like when God speaks peace into your life. Oh, when, all the, when, when, when God speaks peace into your situation, into your, your home, into your marriage, into your uh, work, whatever, whatever situation, when God brings that peace and you're like, the clouds have lifted. That's what God has for you. And he said, and also, I want to give you an expected end. God expects, we always expect things out of God, but God expects things from us, and that is to trust him, to fear him, to walk by his commandments. That's the whole duty of man. Fear God and keep the commandments. That's the whole duty of man. Uh, to do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with our God. Uh, if we love him, we don't just want to say, well, I love you, and since I love you, everything's got to work out for my good. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And so there are things that God expects from us, and God has an expected end. And unfortunately, many people will never make it to the expected end because they give up in the middle. But Paul said, I have finished my course. I got to the end. I fought a good fight, and I kept the faith. And, uh, and he said, and look, now there's a crown of righteousness laid up for me, but not only me, but all them that love his appearing. There's a lot of people that are going to be dreading his appearing. There's a lot of people when he appears, it's going to terrify them. It's going to break their heart because they know that they're not fixing to hear you did a good job in this life. I don't want to be there. I want to believe God and trust him. And if I can't understand it, if I can't see it, I still know that God is working. And if God is working for me, it's going to be something good. You know, it might be tough. It might be hard. But listen, it'll work out for me in the end. You know, when Jeremiah wrote this prophecy, it wrote these words that the Lord was speaking, uh, Israel was dealing with a 70-year captivity. You know, you can forget if you live to be 70, you can forget a lot of things in 70 years. Man, I can forget a lot of things in a week. But, you know, I'm 55, and I feel like I forget a lot of things. But, but, but you know what? God doesn't forget. 
He doesn't forget and he's busy preparing. Preparing something for us. Something for us to have. Israel was enslaved, listen, in Egypt for 430 years. And the whole time, you know, they're there, they're wondering what and why and where is God? They're praying, they're crying. Finally, God said, their cry has come up before me. But you know what? God didn't say, let me get a game plan together. The exodus was already planned. Moses was already planned. The Passover, already planned. He already had all this stuff from the beginning of the world. He said, this is the escape plan for my people. This is how it's going to work. Because the Lamb of God was slain from the foundation of the world. And, and so this Passover was going to be a foreshadowing of this Lamb of God, uh, Jesus Christ, that would come and give his life. So even when we can't see it, he's working. Israel's breaking their back, working for Pharaoh. They're, they're being whipped and, and just beat and just kept under submission. They're, Pharaoh's executing their children. Their life is all over the place and they're crying out to God and they can't see God. On the left, right, front, or behind, they can't perceive God. There's no word, there's no prophet coming in until Moses uh, begins to work and come into their camp and talk to them. And then finally, Moses kills an Egyptian man. He has to flee and he's gone 40 more years. 40 more years. And don't you know that a lot of them was like, man, this Moses made life tough on us because they were hunting him. I don't tell them what Pharaoh did to try to find out where is he is. Somebody hiding him. Where is he? Who knows? But when Moses comes back, God has sent me to tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And eventually it does. After the signs and the wonders and the miracles and the, finally the death of the firstborn and the first Passover, Man, they, they're like, get out of our sight. Get out of here. And, of course, we know the exodus through the Red Sea. Egyptians drown. They're gone. Even when you can't see it, God's working. God is for you, friend. Let me tell you, God is for us. God is for us. In the book of Ruth, one of the, my, uh, just what a story just because of, of where Ruth came from and where she ends up in life. But, uh, in the book of Ruth, you begin reading about uh, Naomi and uh, her husband uh, El Elimelech, and uh, they have uh, two sons, uh, Malon and Chilion, and and they leave uh, and go into Moab. And while they're there, uh, the sons take both take wives, and they're living there. But then uh, Naomi's husband dies, and not long after that. Uh, her two sons die, and it's just her and her two daughter-in-laws, Orpha and Ruth. And uh, Naomi uh, decides, I'm just going to go back. She hears that there is uh, uh, food in back in Judah, and she says, so we're going to go to Bethlehem, Judah. We're going back. Uh, I'm going back. She said, you guys go back to your country, go back to your gods, go back and you know, and because I have no more children, I have nothing to offer you. There's no promise with me. There's nothing here that you can, there's just nothing. And so Orpha, she kisses her mother-in-law, hits the road. But Ruth, it says in verse 14, it says, Ruth, clave unto her. 
I'm telling you, commitment will get you somewhere. And she said, Naomi tells Ruth, said, look, your sister-in-law has gone back under her people, under her gods. You know, go after your sister-in-law. Go back. But Ruth said, entreat me not to leave thee or return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. Whether thou lodgest, I will lodge, and thy people shall be my people, and thy God, my God. Uh, where thou diest, I will die, and uh, there I'll be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more, if aught but death part thee and me. Listen, there's no promise with Naomi for Ruth. Ruth is young. She's experienced a lot of sadness. Her father-in-law died, then her, hus- her brother-in-law dies, her husband dies, and now uh, her mother-in-law's like, it's just time to go. But in all this stress and all this heartache and all her life just being upended, uh, she has formed a commitment. She has realized that uh, there's something. She's heard uh, you know, what Naomi had to say, but she said, I'm going to cleave to you. I'm going to stick with you. And she makes this statement. And, and greater than just saying, I'm going to go with you, she says, your God will be my God. I, I love you, mother-in-law. You've been good to me. And we formed a bond. They were married. She was married for about 10 years, according to what they say right there. So uh, uh, she had been around for a while. She loved her mother-in-law, but she had begun to pick up on something, that uh, their God was greater than the gods of Moab. And she had made a, a statement. She said, your God will be my God. And, and, and where, you, where you die, that's where I'm going to die. So if you're going back to your land, that's where I plan on dying. I'm going with you. Commitment will keep you. And she has no idea that God has already seen her. And God has that statement of faith on file. He knows what Ruth has said, that she wants to be a part of, of this lifestyle and she wants uh, Naomi's God to be her God. She wants this God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. She wants this God in her life. And even when Ruth couldn't see it, God was working out a plan. Naomi didn't seem like the best vessel because when she got back to Bethlehem, Judah, she said, don't call me Naomi, but call me Mara because I'm bitter. I left out full, but I've come home empty. And so just, you know, I can't see anything but bitterness, but here I am because I have nowhere else to go We're broke. We don't have any food. I do have family here, so maybe it'll work out. But God was about to show up for her and for Ruth. The thing we've got to remember is that God is working for us. God is working for us. We're going to get back to Ruth and just say, listen to what Paul wrote to the church in 2 Corinthians 4, 15 through 18. He said, for all things are for your sake. Hello, church. All things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God, for which cause we faint not. We're not giving up in the middle of our storm. We're not giving up in the middle of our mess because all things are for our sake so God can get the glory, for which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, The inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Now, catch it right here. While we look not at the things which are seen. 
I'm not setting my eyes on what's going on around me. I'm not going to bury my head in the sand, but I'm not going to let what I see influence my faith in God. There is nothing that ever, God does not change. He said, I am the Lord. I change not. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, forever. There is no situation that you or I will ever go through that God will change. He's going to be the same. He is steadfast. He is that lighthouse. He is that anchor point. He is that, that, that landmark. But he's going to be right where he has always been. Just because you can't see him doesn't mean he's not there. And that's what Paul was writing to the church. We're not looking at the things that are seen, but we are looking at the things which are not seen because everything we see is temporal. But the things which are not seen, they are eternal. I can't see it, but God's working. And I can't see God, but God's working. Peter said, you love Jesus even though you haven't seen him. You rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. If now for a little while, if it has to be this way, you're in a, a temptation, a lot of temptation right now. Maybe it has to be that way right now to get you somewhere that you've got to go. But just because I can't see it, we've got to live our life like we're looking at the unseen. 1 Timothy 1 and 17 now unto the king, eternal, immortal, invisible. Can you see what's invisible? No. To the only wise God be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. He's invisible, but he's the king. He's eternal. He's immortal, and he is the only wise God. In honor and glory goes to him forever and ever. Amen. That's why Job would say, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And that's why Naomi would say, your God is going to be my God. In Hebrews eleven twenty seven, I don't think I gave you that, sis, but it begins to talk about Moses. And in the day that Moses lived, it says that Moses he forsook Egypt and he was not afraid of the king's wrath because Moses endured as seeing him who is invisible. Moses got through his mess. The Bible tells us to endure hardness as a good soldier. Jesus said in the book of Matthew that he that endureth unto the end, the same shall be saved. But you and I can't endure under our own strength. But if we can endure as seeing him who is invisible, if you can just get that picture in your mind that God is going to come through, that God's going to make a way. Oh, they couldn't see when they were at the Red Sea. They couldn't see a path. They didn't see that dry ground. They didn't see a way out. But Moses said, stand still and see. Sometimes we just need to stop and stand still and let God be God and see the path. You're going to see God in the way that he makes out for you. They knew Moses didn't make that path, but when they saw it, they didn't see God come down and, and, and with the blast of his nostrils roll back the sea. But when it rolled back, they knew this is the hand of God. This is God working on our behalf. This is what God does for his people. He doesn't let his enemy destroy him. 
God is working. Oh, even when I can't see it, God's working. And Ruth, she could see Naomi. That's temporal. But she was looking past that. She told her mother-in-law, said, I love you, and where you go, I'll go. I'm going to go with you. I'm going to stay with you, but your God will be my God. She was looking past the temporal to the eternal, the unseen, eternal God. And when you go on and read Ruth's story, and Ruth, uh, you realize that she meets a man named Boaz, and, and that Boaz is going to redeem her and her family, and, and they're going to end up being married. But in Ruth 2 and 12, uh, Boaz is already proclaiming a blessing over Ruth, saying, The Lord recompense thy work, and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings you are come to trust. And Ruth can't see it yet, but God is working. She don't understand uh, what Boaz is talking about. She doesn't see uh, that this is the hand of God. But we find out that Ruth marries Boaz and then gives birth to Obed, who, was, uh, who gives birth to Jesse. And, and then Jesse, and they, they give birth to David. And Ruth becomes the great-grandmother of David, king of Israel. And not only that, now she uh, is because of the children she's had, Christ will be born. She's in the lineage of the Messiah. Even when she couldn't see it, when she was standing in Moab saying, I'll just go with you. I'll just stay where you stay and, and, and your God will be my God. She had no idea what God was about to do with her life. And I don't know how much she even know then. I don't know if she lived to even see David. I don't know how long she lived in her life and if she ever really had any understanding of what God was doing. But she was not left alone and she was not left barren and she was not left destitute. Sometimes we think, ah, I've lost this and I've lost that and I don't know where I'm going. I'm going to a place, I feel like I'm going to a place I've never been. That's all right. God will take you places you've never been. Come on, he's the God of first times and last chances. That's the God I serve. When it, sometimes he'll do things you've never seen before, and sometimes when this is the last chance, that's when God says, now I'll step in because I needed you to see that I was the one that can do it. Even when uh, I can't see it, God is working. And it was Ruth's commitment to, uh, not only to Naomi, but most of all to this decision that God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that's now going to be my God. I'm walking away from my land, from all the gods of my land, and I'm going to serve this one true God. <laughs> Commitment will keep you. Commitment will keep you in the present, but it'll keep you through the journey so you can see what God was doing all along. If we ever want to see the end of it, we've got to stay committed <laughs> because what God intends is there. But we'll never make it there if we quit here. It's just like if I needed to walk over there, I'll never get there if I stop walking here. And on this walk with Jesus, on this walk to glory, on this walk in your ministry, in your life, in this thing that God's doing in your life. You're never going to see the fulfilling of it if you stop. You know, a lot of times we, if, if I walk into a dark room, I stop now. I've learned my lesson. I stop. 
because I can't see where I'm going. And, and I don't want to trip or break my toe or break something else. Or So you, know, you, you just like, oh, where's the light switch? Where's the light? Well, now we've got our phone. Turn my phone on. Now I can start. And that's us. We don't want to move unless there's light. But I'm telling you something. God is light. And even when I can't see it, God's working. And I may not understand it, but God's working. And I may be heartbroken, but God's working. And I may be crying, and I might be sick, but God's still working. Because nothing changes the fact that God loves me so much that he gave his very life for me. He died on Calvary's cross. It wasn't a pleasant death. He didn't just go to sleep. They whipped him. They beat him. They mocked him. They humiliated him. They pierced his side. Friend, they, it was an awful, painful, agonizing death. And he did that for you and me. And he didn't pay that kind of price just so I could quit in the middle of it. Oh, when I think of what Jesus went through, shame on me if I ever say I'm throwing in the towel. Hey, nobody, I might have had my heart broke, but nobody drove nails through my hands. I've been heart broke, but nobody's ever beat me to the skin come off my back. I've never had a crown of thorns shoved on top of my head. I've never been killed. But he experienced all of that for you and I. And shame on me if I throw in the towel, if I quit because I lost a little something or I hit a bump in the road. Commitment is going to keep us. When we go back, honey, you come on to the music. I'm right here at a good place and the praise team want to come on and get ready. I've got a few minutes. Stand with me while the praise team is getting ready to come tonight. We can go back to Job and think about the man that got all this message started when he said that God is, he's, he's doing something. He's, he's performing the thing that is appointed for me. See, too many times we're quick to give the, give the adversary the credit. It was the adversary that came and presented himself before the Lord that day. He came in with the sons of God and he, Lord, where you been? I've been going to and fro. He said, well, have you considered? And then God says, let me pick a fight. Have you considered Job? Now, if Job could have heard that, Job was like, wait a minute, hang on, Lord. I don't want all this. But it was what God said about Job. Well, he's upright, perfect, fears me, serves me, hates evil, loves my ways. Have you considered this man? Because I know that he can handle whatever you dish out. Well, you put a hedge around Job. But you take that hedge away, take his stuff, he'll curse you to your face. God said, try it. See, we want to think that the devil just instituted all of this. He was just there. He never said a word about Job till God brought him up. Because God knew, I've got to get Job to a place. So this little encounter was started by God. Well, 
taking his stuff didn't work, so he comes back. Skin for skin. The Lord said, well, you can touch his body, afflict his body, but you cannot have his life. You can't take his life. Aren't you about to see now, God? I'm about to still. This was God's suggestion. Do it. And Job fell down in ashes, shaved his head, and he just said he, he began to worship God. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job had lost seven sons and three daughters. He had lost everything that he had possession-wise. It was gone, servants gone. It was just, he was, he was bankrupt. His wife was upset with his uh, faith in God because surely if God loves us, this won't happen. But Job said, shall we receive good at the hand of the Lord and then not receive evil? He didn't say evil from the hand of the Lord. He just said, don't think God's just going to bless us all these years, but that means we're protected from bad things happening because bad things happen to good Holy Ghost born again people. But God's good all the time. There's one good, Jesus said, that's God. So where did he bring him to? In Job chapter 42 and 16 and 17, it says, after this, lived Job. You see, after it was all over, he lived. Oh, this is going to kill me. We're so dramatic. We are some drama-loving folks. This is going to kill me. This is going to take me out. He said, after this, after losing in this family, losing all this stuff, losing all this health going downhill, everything, after this, Job lived 140 years. He saw his sons, so he had more sons, grandsons, great-grandsons, great-great-grandsons, four generations. And then Job lived, uh, go next. And then Job, when he did die, he was old and full of days. He lived 140 years after all this mess. But you and I, we know we're not going to live 140 years on this earth. But look at what Job could get done. Maybe just, the Bible says, talks about 70 years being the life of a man. He gave Job a whole nother life. You see, there's a whole nother life on the other side of what's happening. That's why the Lord said in John 10 and 10, he said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. There's something on the other side of all the destruction and the loss and the heartache and the pain, but you've got to hold on so you can see it happen. Even when you can't see it, God's working. God is always working on his bride's behalf. God is working for his children, amen? They're about to play the song titled, uh, like the message I just preached, Waymaker. And, and, and you know it says in this song even when I can't see it he's working 
So if you'd like to come down in this altar and just lift your hands and worship tonight or come down and pray, I want you to come and just make a declaration tonight just like Job did. 